Hi, I'm Pat Inhofer. I'm Robbie Carmen. I'm Dan Moran. And in this mailbag, we're going to take a look at a question from Max Cypress, one of our members. Uh, he is new to colour grading, uh, and of course, everyone gets caught up in the world of colour balancing. And he asked the question, does every shot need to be colour balanced before the grade, or is it something that's just when an obvious colour cast is present? Um, I mean, I used to try and pre-balance everything before the clients came in. What do you guys do? Mm, this is a this is a juicy one because I think I think I think this is a matter of workflow, right? When you when you log on to sites like ours, like mixinglight.com or Pat's Towel of Color, or you watch you know videos on lynda.com or some other website, it's very broken down in like a methodical step. Like, hey, you know what? You have to do contrast adjustments first, then you do color balancing, then you do looks and that kind of stuff. But you guys know, as working colorists, you kind of just go. Oh, there's a shot. Blam, 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 blam. Okay, the Auto shot's color. done, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never grab um, it. You know, so if I had to address Max's question directly, I would say, you know what, Max? You are being paid, hopefully you're being paid, um, to address every single shot that you see. And that means you're adjusting contrast. That means you're adjusting color. I think Max might be a little confused uh, and sort of kind of combining the terms of color correction and color grading, which a lot of people do. I mean, we kind of use them interchangeably. Like, hey, I'm doing a grade or, you know, we don't say correction. It's one of those things like correction almost seems like it's fallen out of uh, uh, fallen out of fashion, right? Well, you see- it's a subset. It's kind of a subset of grading, right? I mean, a part of the grade is the correction. The correction it implies a fix. You know? Right. Yeah. I, I would agree. So, I mean, to Max's question, I think that... It's okay to think about correction versus grade as separate problems, but I tend to think of them day in, day out when I'm working as a shot of like, I just got to get the shot looking good. You know what I'm saying? And if that's in context of a correction or a grade, I just do it. But yes, Max, I color balance every single shot that I approach. I mean, do you guys not do that? Do you guys not look at the RGB parade, not look at uh, your vector scope and try to balance out a shot? I mean, I think we all do, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah, I, there's rarely a shot that I don't touch somehow, and uh, yeah, the, the the initial balance is always. I, I you know I'm and I I can be a little bit guilty because of you know through my training on colors flight school, where I I break it down to very individual repeatable steps, but the fact is those individual repeatable steps at a certain level of proficiency kind of collapse down together, but if you're not comfortable color correcting and color grading and you're still struggling through the process it is very useful to work in a methodical step-by-step process and as you get more comfortable you will just naturally without even realizing it start doing shot matching while you're doing your balance because you'll already have done the wide you'll have done two singles and you get to the two shot and you'll have started to develop a visual memory and so you're doing the balancing and the matching without even realize you're doing it all in one node Um, even though when I teach it I teach it as you know a node is a thought and these are all separate thoughts so put them into separate nodes when I'm in resolve if I'm in Final Cut 10 add another instance of the filter if I'm in Premiere add another instance of the filter you don't have to do everything in one filter you can keep piling them up so the way you see us maybe working with nodes in Resolve is just like working with, with uh, your filters in an NLE. And, you know, each one is a thought, and eventually you'll start collapsing these things down. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, and now, so Max also asked a question that I think is, uh, you know, germane to a lot of our members. And it's one of those things that, like, hey, I don't know if I'm doing this right. How do you do it kind of questions. Um, and the question is, you know, 
where should my peak white levels and black levels be? You know, that that is a question that I think that we've heard it once, we've heard it a thousand times, right? Where should that be? And I know that we all have unique, maybe slightly overlapping opinions on this, but I'm going to say it this way. I think that black and white level should be A, defined by what the master luminant is in a scene, right? So, you know, if you have a scene where light is filtering in from a window and it's a bright sunny day, then the shot should be bright, you know? Um, and if it's, you know, whatever, nighttime and, you know, you're walking into a dark apartment and there's no lights on, then yeah, the freaking shot should be dark <laughs> and hard to set, hard to tell what's going on exactly. in the shot. Um, part B of that is I think that when it comes to sort of black and white levels, a little bit of it is aesthetic and sort of what your client wants. You know, some clients are prone to saying, no, 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 crush the blacks. I want it as black as possible. Some of them are prone to saying, I need to see every detail in the shadow. So that's number two. And then, or B, I'm sorry. And then C, I would say when it comes to, um, you know, white levels and black levels, it's also dependent on flow. Right, I'm a big proponent of flow. I don't think that there's a right or wrong on every given shot. I think there's something to and something really important about kind of the flow from one scene to a another scene, and you don't want to have that stuff jarring. So I don't think it's all that you know. Um, you know, I don't think it's a good thing to go from one shot that's dark to another shot that's super bright, and all of a sudden the viewer goes, "Whoa." What just happened, right? So a lot of times you're having to do your peak and uh, peak white levels and your black levels based on flow. At least that's my opinion on the kind of the three ways to approach it. And, and the one thing I would add to that is when you're looking at the RGB parade and you're balancing your blacks and, and whites and you're judging black balance, the first question is, is there black in this image? Mm, yeah, don't try to like, force there's, it. There's a difference between balancing your RGB parades for something that is actually pure black and balancing your RGB parades for something that is a dark shadow but isn't black. And you know what? Shadows often have color to them. Yeah, I mean, when, when I'm dealing with the RGB parade and when I'm teaching the RGB parade, then this is going to sound a little funny. I often say to people, and this is old shtick that I do, that, you know, hey, you know, when you're balancing on the RGB parade in a perfectly neutral image, all of the traces will be equal with each other. But you know what? There's no such thing in the real world as oh, a perfectly man. neutral, no, no, perfectly neutral image. Yeah. Unless think, it's black and white. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Unless it's black. Unless <laughs> unless it's black and white. And I think that's a one thing that you know, as Max describes himself as somebody who's new to color grading, yep. that takes a little bit of time to kind of get over because. All the tutorials you watch are all about balancing things out and getting them perfectly perfectly equal with each other. But you know what? If I'm grading a shot of a couple sitting on a beach at sunset, there's going to be more warmth in that image than if they were sitting in a cafe on a gray day. You know what I'm saying? And trying to get things perfectly neutral and perfectly balanced is a is often a rookie mistake to making your grades more noticeable. Yeah, because in your in your effort to balance out something that shouldn't be balanced, you end up throwing off the rest of the image. Yeah, horrible and that's also where exactly, and that's where you start going into like this circular feedback loop where now you've created more problems and you start solving those problems and then the image starts looking unreal. Like you don't know what has gone wrong here and, and you work on it for 20 minutes and then you throw it away and you start all over. You know, the best thing is walk away, come back another day and try it again. 
Uh, the second best thing is, does is there really black in here that's truly black that needs to be balanced? And oftentimes it's just a tiny little piece of the image, and you look for that one piece of the image, and that's where you look on your parades, and that's the piece that should be balanced. And then if you do that on your shadows, you do that on your highlights, maybe if you're lucky you'll even find an actual neutral like gray, um, and then everything should kind of start lining in, lining up. But that's a that doesn't happen all, very often. Yeah, so. I, I agree. So Max, I hope this helps you with some sort of uh, on some sort of level about color balancing. Again, man, because you're new to color grading, just keep practicing. You yeah, know, uh, color it. color color balancing is one of those things that takes years and years and years to kind of get uh kind of get down instinctually. And to be honest with you, we've all been doing this for years and years and years. And guess what? We still we still work every single day <laughs> yeah, <still> <laughs> at balancing images, and some days are harder than others. So for for mixinglight.com, I'm Robbie Carmen. I'm a very warm Pat Inhofer. <laughs> I'm Dan Moran, and uh, thanks for listening.